Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, it looks like Monkeypox is going to get a bit of a rebranding. For various reasons, it's felt that the name should be changed. And this isn't the first time this kind of thing has happened. Professor Sam McConkie from the RCSI School of Medicine and Health Sciences joins us now. Afternoon, Sam. Hi, Sean. What's, yeah. ro- what's wrong with the name Monkeypox, then? Well, while the first ever case was it a monkey in Denmark in the 1950s, the vast majority of cases are in small little furry animals, sort of guinea pigs and rodents in western central Africa, and then with occasional spillover into humans. So, so some people may, 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 may feel it's unfair on the monkeys to call, call it monkeypox, and may feel that if people have this disease called monkeypox, it all seems very, uh, you know, inappropriate. You know, maybe people are, sort of have a mental picture immediately of some sort of furry monkey uh, associated with disease, which isn't necessarily a good image in people's mind. But then I would put to you, when someone has chickenpox, do we think of a mm. feathered chicken whenever someone has chickenpox, or the first swine flu, do we think that someone is, is like a pig or has pig-like characteristics if they get swine flu? The pigs did very bad out of the swine flu, Sean. That was inappropriately named. It should have been H1N1 2009. And unfortunately, all the pigs in Egypt were massacred because somebody thought that that would help their uh-huh. people's chances through swine flu. So I think getting some precision in language is important. We don't want to offend people. We want to paint pictures in people's minds that are somehow helpful and meaningful and vivid. But it's very hard to change a name like monkeypox. It's so catching. It's been there now for you know a month and a half. It's going to be difficult to change. Yeah, I would imagine so. Who's in charge of, of ascribing the names? Ah, so there are, from a scientific point of view, there's international nomenclature uh, committees that meet together when there's a new virus, like the SARS-CoV-2 group, for example. Remember, it was called a new coronavirus or even sometimes Wuhan coronavirus. And then this international committee that named viruses met and, and had, a, had a, a group name. In general, they very wisely try to avoid geographic names like, you know, the Spanish flu. There was mm. nothing Spanish about the Spanish flu, which we can talk about later, but geographical names can sometimes be used kind of pejoratively against people from that geographic region. That doesn't help at all. It reminds me, I used to work on another continent and there, one country said all the people with HIV had come from the neighbouring country, but then when you went to the neighbouring country, they blamed all the people with HIV coming from the, that mm-hmm. other country. So, so people tend to blame foreigners. In fact, it leads to this xenophobia, this hatred of foreigners, and that, that's a problem that sometimes is linked to infections. We, we see the other as suspicious. Like you mentioned, the step-parents earlier, we just view others who are different from us with suspicion. And I think one of the things of being a human is growing up and, and moving on from that and not yeah. saying just because somebody's different from me, they're necessarily bad or evil. So we shouldn't name them geographically. Should it be named after another animal like cow or monkey or, or swine? Uh, I mean, that, that can have its problems as well. Yeah. And I, 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 interestingly enough, I, I, I do recall in the early days of COVID, uh, quite a few people wanted to refer to it as the Chinese virus. Uh, and, exactly. Uh, for, for that. So why is the, the, the Spanish flu, why does that have nothing to do with Spain? So that's a really interesting one. The, that, that arose, as most people know, in 1918, 1919, uh, uh, sort of on the, the tail end of the First World War. Most of the Europe and America and the world was at war. So the media, you know, God bless them, were actually restricted in what they could talk about. There was censorship of the media, and that's very normal during wars. So even though the flu was all over the world, the media in all the other European and American countries couldn't talk about it. They were banned from censored from talking about this widespread influenza pandemic in case it would destroy morale that people thought, God, we've just been through a big war. Now the 
troops and the civilians are all being devastated by this horrible flu. Whereas Spain, that was not part of the war, had no censorship. Their media stood up and spoke out the truth and said, there's flu here, lads. This is a really big problem. And of course, they were just telling the story on behalf of the whole world with the absence of censorship in their country. So that sort of branded it as Spanish flu, which we're still talking about 104 years later as Spanish flu, but there was nothing Spanish about it. And it was actually just the freedom of the media there that let them tell the story first. Yeah, it's uh, um, uh, it's it just shows how kind of difficult it is to shake a name once it's been attached to something. It is, although we have done a good job. Uh, remember with uh, SARS-CoV-2, we were talking about the Kent variant, the Indian variant, the South African variant, and then a group in WHO, the World Health Organization, met and said, no, let's give these variants Greek letters, Alpha, Delta, mm. Omicron, that we all have used, and that has stuck because in fairness, it's not fair to blame the people in Kent for the Kent variant. It's probably just the good scientists there discovered it and told us all about it uh, quicker than the ones in wherever it was originally discovered. So the use of Greek letters, um, you know, is no shame to the Greeks. It's probably a credit to the Greeks. They're probably very proud that their alphabet is still being used thousands of years later to name these scientific variants. Uh, so I, I, I suspect they're delighted that we're all using these Greek letters. But it does help us to make clear sense and talk about, you know, if there's a new variant like this BA4 and BA5 that are out in Ireland and Northern Ireland right now, I'm reassuring people this is just another descendant of Omicron. It's not a completely new strain. It's just a, an Omicron descent. So having that sense of what is Omicron, what is Delta, what is Alpha, really helps us all to have a more clear narrative. So having proper nouns for complex biological things, you know, is profoundly important. Uh, and it's good if they're memorable and simple and easy, easy to fix in our minds and aren't pejorative towards people of one country or even animals. Yeah, I look forward to then to the uh, monkeypox uh, rebranding. Uh, Sam, <laughs> thanks a million for uh, talking to us today. That was Sam McConkie there. He's Associate Professor and Head of the Department of International Health and Tropical Medicine at RCSI School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.